Welcome back to the Donovan Atkinson Show, or if this is the first time you're listening to this, welcome to the Donovan Atkinson Show. I am your humble host, Donovan Atkinson. So last week we had the uh, the Republican debates, which honestly I can't stand watching debates. They're irrelevant as far as I'm concerned. I view those as something that's just simply there for water cooler talk, you know, the day after. They, based on what I've seen, they don't sway anyone's vote. They potentially give you an opportunity to see how boneheaded, and it's not just Republicans, it's also Democrats, because I don't really care one one side or the other. Republican debates, Democratic debates— I, to a degree, when it comes down to the actual presidential debate for the general election between, say, like, potentially Biden and Trump, there's no reason to even have that this time because it'll just simply be, hell, did they have a debate for the 2020 election? I don't know. I don't care. I didn't watch it. It's, like I said, it's irrelevant. But what I want to talk about in this episode is uh, Nikki Haley. Now, of course, she's thrown her hat in the ring. She's a Republican presidential candidate. And there's an article over at Business Insider where she is claiming, and this is really starting to aggravate me, and, and, and I'm going to explain why. But she's claiming that America's retirement age is way too low and needs to be increased, while at the same time she's calling on cognitive tests for politicians over 75. Now, I can do in another, another episode where I can tell you my reasons for requiring term limits for presidents, as well as senators, House of Representatives, the the works. Because I'm not being ageist here, but I do believe there's a point in time where it's, it's, it's like you can have wisdom. And I'm not saying that the older crowd doesn't have wisdom, but you also run the risk of that wisdom being entrenched in old methodologies that are no longer relevant in the current age. You know, there are there there are things that this old guard will still cling to that have nothing have no relevancy in 2023. So, as far as the cognitive tests are concerned, eh, yeah, whatever, but I think we should really be looking at term uh, or age limits and not necessarily cognitive tests. But specifically, what I want to focus on is this damn thing about what she's saying where the retirement age is is way too low. And this seems to be every time this comes up about the solvency of the, the Social Security Fund, one of the first things that always gets nailed is, well, we need to raise the retirement age because people are living longer and of course they want to continue to work. Bitch, please, that's not true. Part of it is we are living longer. I'll give you that. But not everybody wants to continue to work past 75 or 80. Honestly, I'm of the mindset, I want to retire at 62. I'm willing to forsake some of my Social Security because I want to be able to do other things and still pay my bills, and maybe find other ways to make a little bit of side money. You know, I could, at 62, I could easily see myself parlaying into a different career path, because even though my parents didn't 
live to 80. I think I could potentially make it to 80 or 85. I could pull a Shatner, be over 90, or, you know, a Betty White. Hell, Bob Barker just passed away at 99. But the thing that aggravates me is they never actually look at potentially the saving grace of what could fix this problem. And it's something that has never made sense to me at all. And that is the fact that as of 2023, the current Social Security tax is only on the first $160,200 of income. Think about that. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't make $160,000 a year. So I'm I'm paying, I mean, I'm self-employed, so I'm paying the 12.4% for my own Social Security. And then whatever it is, 2.9%, I think, on medic, for Medicare, I'm footing the bill on that. If you are someone who works for somebody else, then you are paying half. What is that, 6.2? You're paying 6.2% out of your own income, and the company is having to match that with their 6.2% for your Social Security. Now, if you make over $160,200 as of 2023, that 12.4% totality is only assessed on the $160,200. If you make $200,000, well, that other $38,800, if I can math today, is not subject to Social Security. You're not, you're not paying that 12.4%. So it's almost like you get a, a raise. Why? Why do we have such an arbitrary cap on Social Security? Something that we all can benefit from. Everybody is eligible for Social Security. It doesn't matter if you're Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Musk. It, just, it doesn't matter. You're still eligible. Now, I think it should be left up to you, if you're filthy rich, that when it's time for you to retire where you don't need that Social Security, don't take it. Give back. Is that somewhat socialistic? Well, of course it is. That's the entire idea of Social Security, which is another reason, and I've espoused this before, I hate the term entitlements. An entitlement is something that I don't have to necessarily put anything into, but I feel like because of who I am or what I do or my station in life or where I was born, et cetera, et cetera, I'm entitled to that. No, I put money into this. It's like a huge freaking savings account so that when I get to that point in my life where it's a little bit more difficult for me to work and to maybe earn the same level of money that I've been earning monthly and yearly, I'm not going to be out on the damn street destitute and dead. That's the entire idea, because not every single American has the opportunity to invest in a 401k or play the stock market or do any of these other things that especially the people on the right are, well, you should, you should be financially uh, planning better. You know, shut the fuck up. There are circumstances where people just can't do that. I'm in that situation. I did have a 401k. And then due to circumstances about 90% beyond my control, I had to cash it out and use every bit of it just to survive until I could get back on my feet. So that's now gone. I don't have that. I do have retirement from the city of Tifton. 
because I worked there for 10 years. I vested. It's not going to be a lot. Honestly, I don't remember at what what age I can take that. I think it might be 60. I need to double check. But it's only going to be about eight or $900 a month. So as it stands right now, if if I can retire at 62, which will be 2032, my Social Security right now is only roughly calculated to be somewhere between fourteen dollars and $1,500 a month, if I remember correctly. Now, if I wait till I'm 65, it's around seventeen or eighteen hundred, and if I wait until I'm seventy, it's over two grand a month. But that's eight more years, and I've done the math. If you and you can go look this up online, and make your your own decision about this type of thing. Even though you're going to get a reduced, or in my case, I'm going to get a reduced amount per month at sixty-two. If I live to be eighty, I'm going to wind up with more money in my pocket from Social Security than if I wait and take it at 70 and only live 10 years. It's a smart move. There's a lot of financial folks out there that I I learned this from that are like, it's not a bad thing to do. If you want to wait till 65, okay, that works too. Most of the time, it's not recommended to wait until 70. I mean, it'd be a hell of a thing. You worked all your life. You wanted the maximum amount that you could get out of Social Security because of all the years that you put in. You retire at 70, you die at 72. Isn't that ironic? To borrow a uh, a line from a song. So why aren't we taxing Social Security on the totality of what you make? If you make a million dollars a year, you should have to have Social Security taxed on that entire $1 million. And I'm not the first person to question this. I was doing some research this morning, and I found that there's another reason. I mean, I'm not the only one that thinks this way. There's a good write-up about this over at Investopedia. Why is there a cap on the FICA tax? It goes on to say, Social Security and Medicare together constitute what's known as the Federal Insurance Contributions Act, or FICA tax. Collectively, FICA taxes amount to 15.3% of wages in 2023. It breaks down into 12.4% of earned income to an annual limit that must be paid into Social Security and an additional 2.9% that must be paid into Medicare. There is no income cap or wage-based limit for the Medicare portion of the tax, meaning you continue to owe your half of the 2.9% tax on all wages earned for the year regardless of the amount of money you make. The Social Security tax, however, does have a wage-based limit, which means there is a maximum wage that is subject to the tax for that year, and beyond that, there is no more taxes to pay. So why is this? What are the pros and cons? So here are the key takeaways that they they bring up. Social Security and Medicare payroll withholding are collected as the, the FICA tax. Income tax cap limits do not apply to Medicare taxes. The cap limits how much high earners need to pay in Social Security taxes each year. Critics argue that income tax caps unfairly favor high earners compared to low-income earners. Others believe that raising the cap would effectively result in one of the largest tax hikes of all time. Now, I'm in agreement with the critics that argue that income tax caps unfairly favor high earners compared to low-income earners. And it comes out, it's like, well, the majority of your lower-income earners are the ones that are going to be the beneficiaries of the majority of the Social Security money. Who cares? That's not the point. Again, this is a program that is supposed to be beneficial for everyone. 
we have people out there that are always talking about a millionaire tax or a billionaire tax or a wealth tax. We don't need that. We just need everybody, regardless of the amount of money you make, to contribute into the Social Security Fund. Now, in that same article at Investopedia, they have a section called Advantages and Disadvantages of Income Caps. And this is what it says. The cap on wages subject to the tax has been the subject of controversy. It means that while the average workers pay tax on every dollar of their income, the vast majority earn less than the wage-based limit. The highest earners pay tax on only part of the money they make. Critics argue that caps on FICA taxes are not fair for that reason. They impose more of a burden on those earning less, a regressive tax structure that runs contrary to the American progressive income tax system. Of course, there's the assumption that lower wage earners are the prime beneficiaries of Social Security as opposed to the wealthy who are assumed to have savings and therefore need benefits less. Part of the original rationale for instituting the income cap in the first place. In addition, some people believe that lifting the cap would result in a significant amount of revenue that could help cover the shortfall Social Security will soon face. As of 2023, the Old Age and Survivors Insurance, also known as OASI Trust Fund, which pays retirement benefits, will be able to make scheduled benefits on a timely basis until 2033. After that, it will be able to pay only 77% of benefits. That means, as it stands right now, if I were to retire in 2032, because I was born in January, January 4th, that means I, I can file and start getting my benefits the beginning of 2032. By 2033, I will only be able to get 77% of what I was getting. So let's say, for instance, that I was getting $1,400 a month. That means starting in 2033, if the system continues to go the way it is now, I will drop to 1078 from $1,400 a month. 23% reduction in income. That's ridiculous. Especially when we have the answer staring us right in the damn face. The article goes on to say raising or eliminating the cap on taxable wages would definitely make a difference. The Social Security Administration's Office of the Chief Actuary, also known as OCACT, estimates that phasing in an increase in the taxable amount for both con contributions and benefits basis to cover 90% of covered earnings over the next decade would eliminate roughly one-fifth of the program's long-range shortfall. OCACT's estimates also, also show that if all earnings were subject to the payroll tax, which is what I think it should be, but the current law base was retained for benefit calculations, the Social Security trust funds would remain solvent for over 40 years. Nikki Haley, that's the answer, not increasing the age on millennials and Gen Zs for retirement. Because what we are now faced with, this is the direct result of trickle-down economics where it failed the entire country starting in the 80s, also known as Reaganomics, where if you reduce the tax rate of the top earners, 
you let them keep more of their money, then they will reinvest that money into products and services and companies, and all of that extra wealth will trickle down to the rest of us. It doesn't fucking work. It has been proven over and over and over again that it does not work. There's an interesting article over at thebalancemoney.com. I'm going to put both of these links in the show notes that explains why trickle-down economics fails. And it states, critics believe that the trickle-down policy has done damage to the U.S. economy more times than it has helped. It has met with disastrous results when applied at the federal and state level. Kansas is a case in point. Business taxes were cut by almost a third, which left the state's income in the red. The benefits have gone to a handful of the wealthy who did not invest much to spur the state's economic growth. Because the state's revenues are markedly decreased, Kansas's education budget has been significantly curtailed as well. The International Monetary Fund, the IMF, also rejects the trickle-down theory. In its report authored by five economists, it argues that increasing the income share of the poor and the middle class actually increases growth, while a rising income share of the top 20% results in lower growth. That is, when the rich get richer, benefits do not trickle down. The IMF's fight against income inequality revolves around the fact that expenditures of middle to low income sectors are the drivers of the economy. Even a mere 1% increase in wealth for 20% of low income earners yields a 0.38% growth in the GDP. On the other hand, increasing the income of the top 20% of high income earners results in a 0.08% decrease in GDP. And all of this is marred in the fact that we were in a recession when Reagan became president, and he did all of these tax cuts, He, which basically, it, it was supply-side economics, trickle-down economics, they renamed it Reaganomics, and it looked like, it looked like it pulled the United States out of the recession. But he also increased government spending. So that's where the question was, okay, was it trickle-down economics, a.k.a. Reaganomics, or was it all this extra spending? Bush did the same damn thing again when he became president. We had that, that recession in 2001, 2000, 2001, somewhere in there. But again, you can easily point to the fact, and again, I'm not an economist. I'm just looking at the numbers and what makes sense to me. You can, po- you can point to the fact that any time we start going into a recession, Increased governmental spending has a tendency to pull the country out of the recession. That's the, Honestly, that's the reason why I believe, even though it's been touted over the last 12 months, that we were going to have a recession, we have not seen a recession. Yes, inflation went up. Look at the pandemic. Look at how the economy suffered from the fact that businesses closed down. People were no longer working. The unemployment rate skyrocketed. And Trump's tax cut package that he did when he was in office only really benefited the ultra-wealthy. Some of the things that he did for the lower and middle class, like doubling the, the standard deduction, that's great. You know what? That's going away in 2025. But all of the corporate 
benefits, all of the ones, all the benefits that the, 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 the ultra wealthy and the corporations received from this, those are permanent. But for some damn reason, those of us who need it the most, the lower and middle class, we had a time limit. And 2025 is, is quickly approaching. And unless Congress does something to renew those, that's going to be where you start seeing a recession, in my opinion. But you can look at any of the charts and you can, you can see the incomes. And in the 80s, there was just an explosion of, of money and, and, and growth. But all of that income started going to your top 20%, your top 10%, and there was a divergent where wages for lower in, uh, lower income and middle income were stagnant. But your, your one percenters and your three percenters and your five percenters, hell, man, their stuff just kept going up and up and up, and they weren't putting any more into Social Security. And that cap gets revised almost yearly, I believe. There's, there's a chart. I have no idea what, what it was back in the 80s, but I'm, I'm going to look it up. So as, compare, as a comparison, I told you 2023, it's currently $160,200. In 2022, it was $147,000. Let's go back to 1990. In 1990, it was $51,300. In 1985, it was $39,600. In 1980, it was $25,900. That meant... That if you made over anything you made over $25,900 in 1980, and granted that was a lot, you did not pay Social Security on anything over almost $26,000. Instead of the way it should have been, where there was no cap, the maximum taxable earnings from 1937 to 1950 was $3,000. It finally went up to $3,600 from 1951 to 54. From 55 to 58, it was 4,200. From 59 to 65, it was 4,800. From 66 to 67, it was 6,600. 68 to 71, 7,800. And then it looked like from there, they started changing it every year. So there's a good possibility that we may see it go up to like 170,000 for 2024. That still doesn't solve the problem. It still does not solve the problem. And Nikki Haley is over here saying, again, that 65 is way too low and it needs to be raised. And the article, the, ins the Business Insider article pointed out, and I was thinking incorrectly too, full retirement age is 67, not 65. So even she is not well informed, it seems. And that was a faux pas on me as well. For some reason, I was thinking it was 65. Now I do remember it is 67, and it was, it was raised in 1983 to 67 years old for anyone born in 1960 or later. And she's arguing that the increase is necessary to avoid Medicare and Social Security going bankrupt. It also states that she's likely facing massive resistance from constituents if she attempted such a change. Apparently, this is not the first time that she's talked about this. She, uh, she has stated on several occasions that she believes politicians over 75 should be required to take cognitive competency tests, like I pointed out, which I don't know why that even is, is in this. Big deal. That has nothing to do with retirement. I don't know. It's, it's frustrating. I mean, granted, she's talking about, would it affect me? 
her idea? No, but I'm not going to shit on my kids or, you know, those, those younger than my kids, the millennials and the Gen Z's and, and then the, the Gen Alpha's coming up. When we already have a solution, you make everybody from the janitor that's making minimum wage to Zuckerberg that's pulling down hundreds of millions of dollars per year because he's a billionaire to pay that 12 point, or in this case, your 6.2% share for Social Security. If we do that, and as the article over at uh, Investopedia pointed out, we'll solve our Social Security solvency issue. And you got to stop thinking about why should should the top earners fund this for the lower earners and the middle class earners? Why not? Why not? They are the beneficiaries of the hard work of the lower and middle income class that help build their businesses and keep their businesses going for the obscene amount of money that they themselves are worth. There's nothing wrong with giving back to humanity. And in this case, giving back to the country, the people in this country that you built your mighty empires on top of, on the shoulders of. It's not communism. It is a form of democratic socialism. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You pay to play. That's all I'm saying. What do you think about it? Are you aware of the cap on Social Security? Honestly, it wasn't until several years ago because I've, you know, I've never really been a political person up until probably the last decade or so. And I'm still learning stuff, new stuff every single day. And I was shocked to find out that there was a cap on Social Security tax. Were you aware of it? And if you, if you were, what do you think? Should it be raised? Should it be eliminated? I personally think it should be eliminated. Or do you agree that your top earners shouldn't have to fund the retirements of those less fortunate? I don't know. Let me know. You can call and leave me a voicemail, 762-325-1313. That's 762-325-1313. Or if email is more your speed, you can email show at donovanadkisson.com. Again, that's show at donovanadkisson.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts about this and what Nikki, Nikki Haley is saying here. Raise, just keep raising the retirement age. At some point, nobody's just going to be able to retire at all. But then, until next time, like I said, I'd love to hear from you. But uh, you take care of yourselves, and peace be with you.